0: good morning good morning cupertino we're back i know it's been a while there's been a lot that's been going on for me it's been a pretty crazy last week but uh i apologize for so long between the streams i'm finally going to be answering the questions the pro members asked and of course any questions that you guys ask in the chat um you've been very patient with me so for that i appreciate you all thank you thank you and i also need to give a special shout out and thank you to mike and randy for recording the podcast despite my absence they did a great job i listened to both of them and it's so much fun being a a viewer or a listener uh, of the podcast uh for just every once in a while i would listen to mike and randy talk even if i i don't know <laughs> someday was fully retired or lost the ability to speak. I would listen to those guys. They're just funny. Um, and they did a great job. So please check out the podcasts. If you haven't, even the ones I'm not in, believe it or not, they're still pretty good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a slow content roll for me over the past week, but I'm hoping I can return to some form of normalcy here pretty soon. Um, it's just been hectic outside of work, but, I want to jump right into the people who asked questions uh 3 4 days ago because they've been waiting for an answer the longest. We're going to start with uh whoa, it's not working. Interesting. Display capture, did that work? There it is. All right. Starting with YJ Choi. He says, "Remember how Steve Jobs said the original iPad is a product that sits in between an iPhone and a MacBook?" With Apple Vision Pro in its current form, would you consider it sitting between an iPad and a MacBook, or do you see it as its own thing? Also, long-term, do you think Apple wants Apple Vision Pro to eventually exceed what a MacBook can do, or do you think it'll remain stuck between iPad and MacBook, like how iPads cannot seem to get feature parity with macOS due to software? There's like 15 questions in there, but there's a lot to unpack. Hi, everyone. Ethan, Visualizer, SD Seb. Do you talk to yourself as a reply when you're not on the podcast? <laughs> sometimes I text them uh, because I'm one of the few listeners that has both Mike and Randy's number. So one of them will say something funny or say something I think is wrong, and I'll immediately text them and be like, ah, I like when you said this or you missed this part. Um, good to hear from you all. Thanks for tuning in. But okay, where does the Vision Pro sit if Steve Jobs looked at the iPad as sitting between the iPhone and the MacBook? That's a really interesting question I haven't seen anyone really tackle before. And my gut reaction to that question was, I feel like it almost sits more between a TV and a MacBook, more so than it does an iPad, Um, mainly because of pricing. I don't know. I just, I feel like Vision Pro is obviously a very visually focused device. And I've read a lot of reviews. I've watched a lot of review videos of it and seen where a lot of my overlap comes from in my review video. And I realized that a lot of people fall back on what is, what are the strengths of vision pro? And at least right now it could change in the future if they let you start connecting Apple pencils with vision pro. But at least right now, one of the biggest strengths that continuously comes up among people who review Vision Pro, is as a media consumption machine. If you want to watch a movie, if you want to watch a TV show, Vision Pro is one of the most immersive ways to do it because you can act like you're in a movie theater, you can act like you have this 150 foot size TV floating over Mount Hood, um, which is really cool. Um, And it is pretty hard to replicate that experience elsewhere, which is why, at least with the first-generation Vision Pro, I feel like it's more Apple TV than iPad. Um, Even though, yes, I know that Vision OS is baked on top of iPad OS and it does run a lot of iPad apps. But the truth is, having used it for hours and hours, I started to feel more and more like, okay, yes, if a Vision OS app is not ready, like if if a Vision OS app has not been optimized, it defaults to the iPad app, but the iPad apps are not the product's strength, in my opinion. In the same way that like when the iPad first launched, it could run iPhone apps, but I think everyone knew from the beginning that that was not the long term vision. Um, No pun intended. (laughs) This vision keeps coming up. Uh, Like you could run iPhone apps on the iPad and they were really small and you had all this huge black border and then they had a little one X button at the bottom and you would tap that and it would blow up the iPhone app to be on a giant form of iPad screen. And it was like, yeah, technically it works, but you can tell that's, that's not the intention behind it. That's not the end-all, be-all. That's kind of the vibe I got with Vision OS. Yes, it can run iPad apps, and I guess that feels maybe slightly more optimized than putting an iPhone app on an iPad, but it definitely doesn't feel like there's any advantages, especially if you do any kind of typing within that app. That's what I kept coming back to is I use Twitter a lot and I use YouTube a lot. Those are probably one of my two most popular apps on my phone, neither of which had a vision OS optimized version. Um, So when I use Twitter on vision OS, it was like, yeah, it's kind of like using it on an iPad, but it's a little clunky and the UI is not really optimized for the eye tracking. And sometimes I tap the wrong thing because the buttons are really small and I had to pull it up really close to me. So I, I tend to side with vision pro being more of a TV based product, not so much of a tablet based product yet. Again, that could change with future software support and that kind of thing. Um, So if I were to place it somewhere in the ecosystem, I would say you can pair it with a keyboard, you can pair it with a trackpad. Um, If there's any other uh, Apple ecosystem, you know, similarities, I would say the Apple TV is actually the closest, despite the fact that it's a drastically different price, right? Um, But what else did you ask? He said, would you consider sitting it between an iPad and a MacBook and see it as its own thing? Not really. And then YJ Choice says, Long-term, do you think Apple wants Apple Vision Pro to eventually exceed what a MacBook can do, or do you think it'll remain stuck between iPad and MacBook? Um, yeah, I don't think... I guess it has... This is kind of the same debacle we had with the whole iPad being limited. Um, it, it's like, it's totally possible for the iPad to run macOS, like it has all of the hardware necessary, but they still don't want it to because I think Apple kind of has this stubborn view of, like, um, iPad is an iPad, don't let the iPad become a Mac, even though the iPad has gotten so many Mac features and so many Mac things, they still want them to be separate. Like, I don't know, maybe that's a big picture thing with Tim Cook and Apple is they don't want too much product cannibalization, Um, even though I think that they would make more money if they made iPad. And I don't think Mac sales would actually die off if they brought Mac OS to the iPad personally, but that's... That's a dead horse I've gone down that train a lot, but I'm bringing it up because it's an example that even though Vision Pro probably will have and kind of already does have all of the hardware necessary to run macOS on its own, like, I don't see any problem. It has an M2 chip, just like a MacBook does. Um, It has a display that you can connect a keyboard and mouse to. It has speakers. Um, It already basically, like, through mac external monitor support is kind of like you're using a mac with the headset on so there's nothing really preventing them from booting mac os up straight from vision os and just say hey maybe you don't need a macbook the headset itself can run mac os but my guess is they don't like having too much overlap there and they would rather just the products continue to be separate which is why um I I don't think it will necessarily ever exceed or be as open as a platform as macOS is. That's an argument that I've argued with and I don't agree with, but it is an argument that comes up a lot in the tech sphere. And when I talk to people on Twitter and Discord, um, they bring it up pretty frequently that like Apple keeps mac os open because it's it's kind of been open you know you can do side loading you can download apps from outside the app store i'm using an app that's not from the mac app store right now on my mac which is obs um but they've had so much more success and far better sales when they have complete control over a platform which is why ios is closed off and Apple has to basically be forced to allow sideloading. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. And they probably feel the same way about iPadOS. And they probably feel the same way about VisionOS. They want to keep it controlled. They want to have, you know, complete uh, <laughs> dominion. <laughs> they want to have complete ruling over all of the apps. And they want everything to go through the VisionOS App Store. And if you bring Mac OS to it, it's a roundabout way of allowing sideloading, which is, you know, if governments are gonna force Apple to allow sideloading, I would say that would be a great way to do it because there's already a bit of a app market built into that. And you could say the iPad and vision OS now support sideloading. You just have to dual boot it into Mac OS mode. I don't know. To me, that would be a great solution, but I think Apple wants to avoid that at all costs. Uh, Raphael, thank you for 18 months of support. He says, hey, Drew, do you miss Apple vision pro cheers? You know, I know you guys all want me to say yes, but genuinely, I really don't. Um, <laughs> I kind, I kind of, I knew that my time with it was going to be somewhat limited, partly because there's been so much busyness and so much just out of work life stuff going on in the past week, but also because I knew the return window is only 14 days. So I was using it a ton uh, during the few weeks that I had it, and I was trying to use it as much as possible, and it was kind of overwhelming. Um, how often, um, I wanted to show it to family members, show it to friends. And I quickly realized how difficult it is to articulate to people how to use it. Um, even when you can share it, even when you can cast the screen or cast their perspective onto a TV, walking through people, how you look at things and go through guest mode and tap your fingers. And some people wouldn't tap their fingers the right way. I was like, yeah, this is just not as intuitive as I thought, (laughs) Um, I thought it was fairly intuitive, maybe because I watched so many videos on it and I understood how the tech worked, but a lot of everyday people in my life did not. Um, so it was kind of overwhelming demoing it all the time, but it was also overwhelming to also be packing it, having to charge it all the time because the battery life was so low, uh, putting it on messes up your hair, makes your face look weird when you've been wearing it for hours. Um, and it's not a product more so... (laughs) It's not a product like my phone or my MacBook or my AirPods, even really like any other Apple product in that it feels incredibly fragile because we all saw the Jerry rig everything video where we find out that that entire eyesight display on the front is basically plastic, super easy to scratch. Um, So I'm constantly worried when I'm using it or transporting it that I'm going to damage it in some way. So I'm babying it and it's not cheap. You know, a $3,500 product, whether you return it or keep it, is just a liability. You're constantly worried, don't break this, don't break this, it's very expensive, don't break this. So I don't feel as comfortable bringing it around with me um, as I do my phone, which I just throw in my pocket, or a MacBook, which is all aluminum on the outside, so I just close it, throw it in my frunk, or throw it in a bag. I'm not worried about damaging my MacBook, even though it technically was more expensive than the Vision Pro, it just doesn't feel as fragile as the Vision Pro does, it doesn't feel like I would easily damage my MacBook or easily damage my phone, whereas I did feel like I was going to easily damage the headset all the time. Um, So I was constantly just stressed about transporting it. And unfortunately, that's a pretty important detail because I cannot justify Vision Pro or even feel good about buying one if it doesn't move around with me. Um, I've noticed that with my current ecosystem. Like I'm I'm much more comfortable spending a lot of money on an Apple product if I know that it's something I can easily take with me, like my AirPods, I can slip in my little sub pocket, my iPhone, it goes in my pocket, my MacBook. I can easily unplug close, throw it in a bag, throw it in a frunk or whatever. Most of the time I don't even put my MacBook in a bag. I just throw it in the frunk or the backseat of my car, and I'm not worried about it. Um and stationary products like TVs or desktops for me nowadays, because I travel so much, is much harder to justify because I know that, okay, that means it's staying at home. And there's a bunch of times I'm editing videos or working on the go or traveling, visiting friends or family or going overseas or whatever, that I'm not going to be able to utilize that product. So that lowers the addressable use cases that lowers the likelihood of me being able to say, yeah, you know what? I think I can justify that because it means a lot of the time I'm just not going to have access to it. And it felt like as I was using Vision Pro and trying to find uses for it, it kept coming back to, you know what? It's easiest for me to just leave it on my desk and only use it when I'm sitting at my desk. And what do I use it for when I'm sitting at my desk? Mostly an external monitor, which to me was not a good sales pitch for it because for much less than $3,500, I could just buy an external monitor that stays at my desk anyway, And there wouldn't be this latency between switching between Vision OS apps and my Mac, which there was whenever I used uh, Vision Pro. Um, Just when I wanted to look at the chat while live streaming, it would disconnect from my Mac and think I want the cursor over here, even though I don't want to interact. I'm just trying to look at the chat. I'm not trying to interact with the chat or click with the chat. I didn't want to control the UI, I just wanted to look at it. But because vision pro is all based around eye tracking, every time I would look at it, it would disconnect from my Mac, and I would have to reconnect my mouse back to the Mac. And again, the refresh rates not as good on the internal external monitor as well. So it felt like it's not a lot of latency, but it's a slight amount of latency that you don't get when you're just editing straight off the MacBook, or when you're editing straight off an external monitor, there's much less latency. So I don't really miss it, I'm afraid. I, I'm excited for it, and I do think the follow-up generations are going to be more and more interesting. But yeah, it, it was it was no surprise to me, and I'm sure to many of you, that yeah, the first gen is hard to justify. It, it usually is. That's normal. You know, the first Apple Watch was not that great a product. The first iPhone had a lot of limitations and could not do even a fraction of the things we use our phone for now. Pretty much everything I use my phone for now was not possible in the first gen iPhone. I didn't buy the first-gen iPhone, I was too young anyway, but also uh, a lot of people were skeptical of the first-gen iPhone. They didn't see all of the future potential um, with follow-up generations in the first one, rightfully so, because it hadn't been proven yet. You know, a lot of people act like, you should have known, I knew when the first iPhone came up it would be a great hit. You didn't really know that. You were making a guess, but you didn't know that to be sure. no one really knew at that point. Uh, it was only a few generations in. We talked about, I think, this on the last live stream. The iPod was a tremendous success over the long haul, but the first generation iPod was not a huge hit. Um, it didn't really hit its stride until three or four generations in. That's when it kind of went mainstream. Um, and thank you, Penn, for joining Talos of Tech Max. That's awfully generous of you. Uh, way too much support. A lot of people are asking what I think of things. I have no idea what they are. So if I don't read your question, it's probably because I don't know what that is. This um, first gen. Uh, the iPad will not be getting sideloading. EU only cares about iOS and Apple noticed that loophole. Yeah, but it's it's just the iPhone first. I'm sure it'll come to other products later um you're a gen z like me tell me what you think i don't know yeah i don't know what that is let me answer more of the uh, pro member questions because i know what the, i would love to give you my opinion on whatever you're asking but i don't know anything about them um james Sander Cedarlof says recently a pastor in quotes used vision pro for a sermon illustration i was offended on many different levels interesting he couldn't even use the right name for vision pro he kept calling them apple goggles I tend to call him that um <laughs> i call him that for with a lot of my family he seemed to demean his congregation while not even using the vision pro properly he seemed to be treating the vision pro disrespectfully all of that to say what are your thoughts on how you might use it as an illustration for others while treating the vision pro with respect well a vision pro is a product not a person which is why i don't see the need to treat it with respect <laughs> you can disrespect products if you think they are bad i don't see anything wrong with that um i'm I've probably been disrespectful to vision pro as well I've had a lot of people complain about it or point up I've complained about it too I don't see anything wrong with disrespecting a product <laughs> if you don't like it that's that's fine um how to might use it as an illustration for others i'm I'm trying to figure out how I answer that um I, I think the, the more important thing to treat it with respect, I, I think the best way to argue in favor of respecting it is to just acknowledge that a lot of people worked for basically a decade on this product secretly, and now it's all their work is coming out, and there's a lot of time and attention that went into very little details on it. Um, the pass-through, the hand-tracking, the eye-tracking, uh, the R1 chip specifically, there's so much work that went into it. Um, So to respect that i think the the most respectful way to handle it is just to acknowledge that this is the first gen add that context to it look at previous successful product categories today in their first generations i mean some people might not agree with me but i would look at the wii u the nintendo wii u as kind of the first gen before the switch you know the switch was a big success but the wii u was kind of the first generation of that and it had a lot of limitations and Of course, it wasn't as big a success, it didn't really go as far, but it was meant to be kind of a proof of concept um, with the concept of like playing games on the go or playing games mobily. Wii U walked so the Switch could run, and in similar ways, first gen iPhone, first gen Apple Watch, first gen iPad, they're laying the groundwork, they're setting up a foundation for something else in the future to be truly great, but they themselves are not that truly great. You know, First iPad didn't even have a camera, (laughs) <laughs> on the front or back, uh, barely ran any iPad-optimized apps. It was mostly running blown-up phone apps at 500 bucks, with very little storage and very little capabilities, no Apple Pencil support, still using the 30-pin connector. The display was not all that great. Bezels were fat. Speakers weren't very good. Very hard to justify the first-gen. I, I still have my first-gen iPad. I remember when we got it, and it was cool, but it was not what the iPad would eventually become um no I'm not trading in my Tesla be careful not to hurt the vision bros feelings. (laughs) yeah it's important to be respectful to people I would say I don't think it's that important to be respectful towards uh products especially products from trillion dollar companies like they should they of all people should welcome criticism because they're the ones who need to try to justify... Basically, the higher the price, the more room there is for criticism. You know, I that's why I have a harder time criticizing the Quest 3. Even though I do think the Quest 3, in a lot of ways, is worse than Apple Vision Pro, it's very difficult to criticize the Quest 3 when it's $500. $500 for everything that headset is capable of doing is not that much money, honestly. I wonder if they're losing money on the Quest 3. I don't, I don't follow meta very closely, but thanks to Mike, he... Let me try it out and use it for several hours. And I was genuinely impressed. After using Apple Vision Pro for several hours and then jumping to the Quest 3, I was like, dang, this is this is genuinely impressive. How similar the experience is. A lot of people kept acting like, oh no, Vision Pro is in a totally different ballpark. And I was like, okay, but why? What does the Vision Pro do that the Quest 3 doesn't? And I never got a good answer. <laughs> I never got a very st- a strong, all people could say is, well, the M2 chip is so much more powerful than what's in the quest. And I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing with that chip? What does that chip unlock? And most people couldn't say much. It was like, uh, I mean, the pass through is better. And I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's not like miles better. It's like a little bit better, but um." Wii U wasn't really a first-gen. The reason it failed was bad marketing, causing people to think the tablet-like controller was an accessory to the original Wii. No, I think there's more to it than that. It was also that it wasn't as mobile as the Switch is, and there wasn't the Joy-Con thing. The Joy-Con thing was genius. Um, but my point is it laid the groundwork. You know, it, They probably couldn't have gotten to the Switch without the Wii U, without developing it and mass-producing it. Uh I didn't watch Zuck's vid on the Vision Pro but I watched our latest uh, Tales of Tech podcast where Mike and Randy dove into it and I I'm not a Mark Zuckerberg fan. I don't like Facebook. I don't like their business practices. I don't like that they acquired Oculus and I don't like I don't use Instagram. I'm very much anti Facebook in general. However, I hate to say it, but Mark does have some valid points. Uh, He's right, somewhat, about how there are some objectively better things about the Quest 3, regardless of price. Even if Apple Vision Pro was $500, there's still some Quest 3 advantages. I'm sorry, like, even as an apple sheep, (laughs) BJ says Quest 3 sells at a $200 loss. That doesn't surprise me, because the hardware was very, very good. Um, So my guess is maybe they're... You know, with more of a gaming emphasis, of course, Quest 3 is trying to be more of a game console. Um, similar to other game consoles, they tend to lose money on the console itself, hoping to make it back through other sales software as a service, that kind of thing. Um, at the end of the day, these products are mostly content consumption for 90% of users, another dust collector within six months. <laughs> that was the main reason I returned Vision Pro, because I knew that you know, I don't like returning products. I don't, I don't take pleasure in knowing that, okay, I used this and I tried it and now I'm bringing it back. You know, I, I want to find products that genuinely bring me functional uses and that are tools and that bring me joy and that, you know, spark inspiration. I, I want to find products I can keep, but I know that it's very hard to justify if you know that, you're going to spend all this money and there's a chance that it's just going to sit in the corner collecting dust, which has happened to a lot of VR headsets out there. I've talked to so many people that have bought VR headsets and say they like hardly use them. And I didn't want that to be the case with me. Um, I wish there was a longer term way to hold on to it and keep it and still, I don't know, return it or, you know, get a meaningful amount of money back. But I don't think these things are going to Sell that well in the used market, and it seems like Apple's not selling out of them anytime soon. So, the resale value is probably not going to be great, and they're supposed to be custom fittings and custom sizes for your head and everything. So, that kind of affects the used market as well. Um, Deja Vu King says, POV, tell me what problems Vision Pro solves. Literally, list what you can only do with Vision Pro that you can't already do with a smartphone, laptop, desktop, or iPad. Okay, view spatial photos, view spatial videos. you expand your virtual content beyond the black mirror, which basically means that you have infinitely sized canvases for your apps or your windows. You don't have to say, okay, my, my display can only be this big, but with a MacBook pro it's 16 inches. That's it with a vision pro it's as big as you want it to be. Um, you can immerse yourself in different environments like Yosemite or Mount hood or uh, top of mountains. Those were honestly some of the most impressive demos for me and my relatives. I let my grandparents try it. Um, I let my relatives who were visiting from out of state try it. And those environments where you turn the digital crown and it completely immerses you, that was usually the most wow moment for them. Um, My grandma, she didn't know how much it cost. (laughs) Uh, she, She tried it on and literally said, I want one of these. Her words. I didn't i didn't try to sell her on it i told her it's very expensive and i'm not going to be keeping it so you better try it now before i return it this was like the day before i went back to the apple store and when i when i turned on the environments mode and she was looking around in yosemite she just went wow this is amazing i feel like i'm like she just really wanted that so those are things that you can't do with an ipad macbook or phone but of course once i told her it was 3500 bucks she was like well okay I can't afford that but she was very impressed by it um same way for media consumption you can have a giant external monitor and again like Marquez and others have alluded to there's a lot of ideas that's what makes Vision OS and Vision Pro so exciting to me is that the software does not fully unlock the hardware yet there's so many other things we could be doing with this headset that we're just waiting on the right software for um you know what grandma wants for her birthday Oh God. I'm sorry grandma I love you but I don't got that kind of money. <laughs> um yeah I don't think she would want me to spend that much on it either but uh saw one on marketplace for 4800. Yeah I don't get why people are doing that. There's there's people charging so much extra for the Vision Pro but you can still get them new from Apple. They're not like super backordered or anything. It's not that hard to find but um yeah the, the spatial computing is just we're we're barely scratching the surface on what it's capable of and especially i think in regards to media consumption like it's the top of my list for vision os 2.0 and i think marquez did a video on this as well but being able to experience things with the vision pro on that other people can also see i think that will win over a ton more people dare i say i'm i'm hesitant to say this but there might honestly be a lot of truth in it I would have been more tempted to keep it if we would have had a way to sync movies and TV shows together, because I I kept seeing that come up in all the reviews. A lot of people kept saying that media consumption is one of the greatest advantages because it doesn't require typing, which is one of Vision Pro's greatest flaws, is the typing experience kind of sucks. It's just not as good as typing on a phone or on a keyboard and we do a lot of typing with our social media apps and with our editing apps. Um, but you don't need to type a lot when you're watching a movie. That's why, you know, the typing experience on our Apple TVs kind of suck too. You have to either swipe around on that keyboard or use dictation, which I still try to use and it still sucks half the time. It doesn't understand what I'm saying or it erases the text or sometimes it activates Siri when you want it to dictate. And it just, it's not as intuitive as just a keyboard popping up on a phone and typing on the keys. Um, Or a keyboard on a MacBook and you just type on the keys, but you don't care because on a TV you just type for a few seconds and then you're watching a movie, you're watching a show, you're watching a YouTube video. Um, So if there was more of a way to sync up whatever is on the Apple TV with my headset so that I can watch whatever my wife's watching on the TV at the same time, same audio, but then I could expand that same movie to be a movie theater screen or to hang it over Mount Hood. I could have used my headset a heck of a lot more and found it a lot more practical if I could use it with other people. But that was the problem. It was like movies and TV shows are a great advantage to Vision Pro. It's a much more immersive experience than any other Apple product is. However, only one person can do it at a time. And I pretty much never watch movies and TV shows by myself. I pretty much only watch, um, youtube videos by myself and there's no youtube app on vision Pro. <laughs> and using the safari version sucked it was not optimized you can watch movies with others at the same time but it's not it's not taking advantage of the vision pros experience like you you have to be in i've i've tried i've tried to do this share play thing um apple will sync this device if they don't quickly figure it out how to share with family that's why it's on the very top of my list is like, if I can, if I can use the headset while other people are watching the same content as me, um, I could have used it a lot more and I could have said, okay, this is my own personal TV and I can have, um, subtitles or I can not have subtitles while the rest of the family does. And I can have an immersive experience while everybody else is watching the same thing needs to be more social. It needs to be less isolating, which I used to say, it it isn't isolating, but now after trying it, I realize, yeah, it kind of is. Um, so there's there's absolutely things that only Apple Vision Pro can do. Um, it's an infinitely scalable external monitor. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. ...that's more portable than a studio display. It has a battery. It's not the longest battery, but it does have one. Um, so there's a bunch of things that vision pro can do but a better a harder conversation to have what does apple vision pro do that the quest 3 cannot Uh, eye tracking i guess but kind of like zuck talked about they had eye tracking and they realized that it wasn't as useful or as practical as controllers so they got rid of it intentionally but they're gonna bring it back probably on the quest pro second gen i think that's going to be really interesting because metas like we've already established meta is comfortably willing to sell the quest 3 at a loss and now that they know a lot of the things people like about apple vision pro um and they know that they they just have to be cheaper than 3500 I think I think they're going to make something pretty compelling. I think there's a good chance that the Quest Pro Two or whatever they call the next generation Quest Pro is going to be substantially cheaper than Apple Vision Pro, and probably beat it at least on paper in almost every category. It'll have almost the same resolution, probably better field of view, uh, higher frame rate, lighter weight, better battery life, integrated battery. Um lower price like we said so i i think there's a bunch of advantages to the quest regardless of price and now quest probably knows that they can make a much more expensive headset with far better hardware to compete with vision pro now um it can do everything better except gaming um i don't completely agree with that the the quest 3 has a better field of view like the 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 black border you get around your vision, you know, when you're wearing Apple vision pro, it's kind of like you're wearing a pair of goggles or looking through binoculars. You don't have your peripherals. The quest three still goes wider. The quest three also, I didn't think it would be that noticeable, but I tried it and I did notice quest three goes up to 120 Hertz. It's closer to lifelike refresh rate, which apple vision pro cannot. Most of the time vision pro is sitting at 90 Hertz. Um, occasionally it'll go up to a hundred Hertz depending on the lighting, but most of the time it's at 90. So higher refresh rate, wider field of view. Also the Quest 3 is far more comfortable having worn both. The Quest 3 is lighter and you don't have a big giant battery bank to be fumbling around with. Um, which I didn't think would be a big deal when I watched the videos. And when I heard about people trying out vision pro, I thought, oh, okay. So it has an external battery, whatever. I just put it in my pocket. No, when you're moving around with that thing. Having that cable around, and it gets twisted really easily when the battery flips like this. The cable doesn't rotate or anything, so the cable gets tangled easily. And when you're traveling around with it, having to wrap up that battery and the cable going to the headset gets annoying. Whereas the Quest 3, the battery's just built in, and it's lighter. Um, There is more pass-through distortion on the Quest 3, but when you're using more fully immersed uh, environments. My point is, the pass-through on Vision Pro is not substantially better. I mean, it is better, but it still has its, it has a different set of limitations, but there's still limitations. Like anything about this close to me when I was wearing Apple vision pro was incredibly blurry. It was essentially useless. It was like, okay, I can tell my hands are there, but I can't see any detail. So like if you picked up your phone while you were Wearing Vision Pro. If you held it right here, you wouldn't be able to read anything on the screen. You had to hold it back like this and it's fuzzy and stuff. So the pass through is not as good on the Quest 3, but you could argue both headsets are going to look far better when you're immersed in virtual content anyway, because the pass through is not flawless, even on Vision Pro. um, Things far away look pretty noisy. Field of view is limited. Uh, Refresh rate is limited. Um, and it's very heavy, so it's much, much you're much, much quicker to get uncomfortable wearing Vision Pro in my experience and quest three. Also, Quest Three is much, much easier to share. Oh my god. I don't think that gets talked about enough. It was so freaking easy for Mike, who had the Quest Three. He was like, Hey, you wanna play this game? I, I got it queued up for you. He could just take it off and hand it to me and I'd put it on and boom, I'm playing it. Vision Pro did not work that easily. It was not that simple. Either you have to tell a person your passcode and then the eye tracking's off. That happened countless times. Whenever I would try to share it with a family member, I would say, hey, here's my passcode. Here's how you type it in. A lot of people didn't grasp the eye tracking. And oftentimes eye tracking wouldn't work that great because it's optimized for my eyes. So I have to put Vision Pro into guest mode Which is even harder because, okay, now it calibrates for their eyes, but they have to go through like a 24-step setup process. You have to tap a total of 18 different dots and pinch every time you look at each dot. And then you have to go through the stay aware of your surroundings thing. You got to hold down the digital crown to adjust the displays. It is like this pretty much five-minute process just to get Vision Pro to work on someone else which makes it much, much harder to market, much, much harder to showcase to others. Hey, do you want to try this headset? Do you want to see what it's like? Whereas the Quest 3 is like, here you go. Cool. Let's play. I I see the appeal of the controllers. I know it's the more Steve Jobs way to do it, and it's the more Apple way to be like, no controllers. Who wants a stylus? Yeah, right? It's more simple if you just look and tap your fingers. I get why they did it that way, but I still... S- I, I would argue the controllers for a VR headset are far more practical than a stylus was for a phone. Like, the argument in favor of controllers is pretty strong, especially for shareability. If you want to just hand the headset to someone else, they don't have to go through a 24-step. Um, seriously, we counted how many taps and how many things someone has to look at in order to activate guest mode on Vision Pro. Yeah, Mike can attest. I finished the Beat Saber song, Mike says. I just got done looking at a bunch of dots. You wanted me to play one again? That literally happened, yes, when we went and hang out during the big uh, rainstorm. Uh, Mike was like, here, you try the Quest 3 and I'll try the Vision Pro. And he just hands me the Quest 3 and within a couple seconds I'm playing a game and I'm hitting stuff. And he uh, he literally took, you know, like five minutes just to get through guest mode um, to get eye tracking working properly. So it's like, yeah, there's... There's a bunch of objective advantages to the Quest 3, despite being a seventh of the price. So it's it's very hard for me to critique the Quest 3, <laughs> considering its price. Um, no way you will get normal people to work in the Quest. Clarity means everything in display. I had a friend that worked at a company that issued out quests to everybody, and they used them for um, workroom meetings. So uh, I, I guess maybe he's not a normal person. <laughs> The Quest 3 120Hz is a check-in-the-box, not a beneficial feature. The meta Quest 3's capability to run 120Hz comes with several drawbacks. I don't know what they are, but all I know is I tried it on and it looked more lifelike in regards to the motion. I put it on and I could tell that the refresh rate is higher. That's all I'll say. It was like, oh, yeah, this is better. Not the pass-through cameras were better, but it's if you're in a fully virtual environment, which oftentimes I was with Apple Vision Pro because um The other thing I noticed is Apple Vision Pro is far easier influenced by low light, which I didn't realize until I used Vision Pro. I'm often working in not the best lighting conditions. You know, Apple, whenever they're demonstrating Vision Pro or demoing Vision Pro or talking about Vision Pro, they always show it in these super well-lit places. A lot of the time we use our devices in kind of darker rooms, darker environments, because our eyes are so good and we can see pretty well in dim light. Um, in Vision Pro, especially the pass-through, gets very fuzzy, gets very noisy and blurry when you're in a low-light environment and it warns you all the time, hey, your hand tracking might not work all that well when it's dark. Um, which was just all the more reason to focus more on the virtual world and not the the real one. Um, users may encounter more glitches or performance issues compared to... I experienced it myself. Um when you tried the Quest, did it feel okay right away? Anytime I tried someone's VR headset, I had to adjust the eye thing a bunch. I feel like I'd appreciate having the software do that for me. Well, it's a lot harder to do when you're using eye tracking for your navigation, with Vision, which Vision Pro basically requires. Um, but no, I didn't feel dizzy the first time I tried it on. It felt okay. I didn't feel like it needed to be calibrated or anything. I don't think it needs to be calibrated because the field of view is so wide. Like the lenses, you can physically see it. If you hold a Quest 3 in a Vision Pro, I have the B-roll here somewhere, but just take my word for it. If you hold them right next to each other, you can see how large the lenses are, which I think means it covers a wider array of people's eyes because, you know, all of our eyes are at slightly different distances. Um, whereas on the Vision Pro, the lenses are pretty small, so you have to get more specific. So they physically move them on the inside to adjust for your eyes. Why do you care so much about pass-through? Most people are not using it mostly in pass-through. I don't. That was my whole point. I, <laughs> I literally just said virtual is the emphasis on both of them anyway. Um, but people were asking earlier that, well, I think a lot of people compared the two saying that Vision Pro is far better because the pass-through is far better, which is, it's true that it is better, but it's just not $3,000 better. Um, let's see. The Quest 3 stock strap is considered horrible by community, so many get third-party straps, but it's still better than Apple Vision Pro straps. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I didn't. Maybe it's because I was used to the Vision Pro strap, but I thought the Quest 3 strap was perfect. Um, I think Vision Pro in its current state is worth a solid $2,500, about as much as an iPad and a studio display. Yeah, I mean, the less the better. The the easier it is to justify a product, the cheaper it is, even if you don't use it all the time. If you can say it's a smaller dent in your wallet than... I guess it's worth it but i i don't think i would pay 2500 for it if i'm being honest um even regardless of price the the hard justification for me was i didn't want to travel with it and that makes it a really really hard sale um i was too worried about damaging it and transport and the battery life was too low and it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world to wear so even if it was $1,500, it's like my, my the price is less of an issue to me. I, I'm not looking at it so much as Apple needs to find a way to bring this experience much, much cheaper, although I would welcome it. It would be much easier to stomach if it was cheaper. However, I think similar to the first iPhone, you know, the first iPhone was like 500 bucks with a contract unlocked. I think it was like 700 bucks. What are we paying for our iPhones now? A lot of people paying 800, 900, well over a thousand dollars um, for our phones. So what made the iPhone go mainstream was not necessarily making it cheaper. I mean, yes, there are cheaper iPhones. Now you can get iPhones for much cheaper, but if you look at like, what are the best selling phones globally, it's usually not the cheap iPhone. It's actually typically the pro max model. I think the 14 pro max or the 15 pro max was like the best selling iPhone last year or the year before. Um, so it wasn't about lowering the price for the masses. It was more about justifying the capability. It was like, people will be willing to spend a thousand or $1,200 on the phone. If it's capable of doing a bunch of amazing things, that's kind of where I fall more on the vision pro argument is I don't think it's necessarily going to be about bringing the price much lower. Although, like I said, that would be great. I'm not against the price being lower if they can, but, um, Unlocking more capability, improve battery life, better comfort. Integrating the battery into the headset, I think, would make me feel a lot more comfortable with it. Um, and also just making it faster, work more uh, seamlessly with my Mac and increasing the field of view and all those kinds of things. Improving the user experience and, uh, again, adding all of the various software things I've suggested that I think are possible now. I don't see any limitation. Just like how I can connect my Mac as an external monitor via sidecar with the vision pro do that exact same software handshake with my apple tv so that whatever the apple tv is showing keep showing it on the tv but also just cast it to my headset so that i can put that casting into whatever virtual environment i want um i don't see any hardware thing preventing that maybe maybe it needs wi-fi seven for the latency to be really good or something like that but um as as features grow, and as in intuitiveness grows, I think it will be easier to justify 3500 because I could visualize a future where they really max out what the software is capable of doing. And you could argue that uh, a future Apple Vision headset. This is like almost the last screen you need. What if this is your only visual, like every time you use your Mac, you use the glo- you use the goggles every time you use your phone, even the hand tracking gets really good they can mask out they could put a virtual version of what your phone screen is on top of your phone no more notch right no more pill no more dynamic island they just put a virtual screen on top of your phone and then with hand tracking and the phone doing a handshake with the headset it knows exactly how you're tapping it when you're tapping it that would come with improved connectivity lower latency and all that kind of stuff and i could use my phone while wearing the goggles and have complete privacy if I'm using it in public so no one can see what I'm looking at on my phone, but I can still use it and type on it. And then I can still watch movies with other people who aren't wearing the headset or hopefully in the future, I can watch it with other people that are wearing the headset at the same time. And also object occlusion was really disappointing to me on Vision Pro. Like Some people were comparing it on Twitter. If you just take a cheap $300 iPad with no LiDAR, no dual camera, just one singular, like 1080p camera on the back, you get better object occlusion. I'm probably not using the right term. Obstruction. Like you could put an AR demo in the room and people can step around it and you can put it underneath things with a cheap $300 iPad. And yet Vision Pro with all of its cameras and its LiDAR and all of its depth perception, It still wasn't as good as a $300 iPad. And I was like, this, again, the excuse isn't, well, it's cheap because it's $3,500. The excuse that we have to fall back on is, well, it's first generation. Well, it's the first one. So they're trying to just lay the groundwork. They're building up what will eventually be an amazing thing. But right now, it's just a foundation. It's kind of like Vision Pro is a baby right now. And we're mad that it's not like it's older brother who's grown up an adult. The iPhone is the grown adult and capable of doing all of these amazing things. But we're mad that the baby, but (laughs) this baby I think is going to grow up and do amazing things. The analogies just get weird. If it were perfect, you would have returned it. Come on. You are price motivated now, right? So being married, but you are not a first adopter. I think it's not one or the other, but my point is even if vision pro was, uh, a thousand dollars I wouldn't keep it just because a, a lot of tech products that I review, I have this one moment where the decision is made. It's like not a not during the review video, not during a live stream, not where I'm discussing it, but when I'm going about my daily life, trying to integrate, whether it be an iPad or an Apple watch, if I am trying to go about my daily life with a product I'm reviewing, and I reach a point where I go, this is just too annoying to deal with, or this is just getting too frustrated to manage. I'm not bringing it with me or I'm not going to use it. That was the moment for vision pro for me was we were picking up a bunch of stuff and loading up the car. And I knew I was going to need to edit a video on the go and not be at home. So I packed my AirPods, I packed my Mac and I had my phone and we were also going to a friend's dinner. So I was holding a bowl of salad and I was carrying all this stuff to the car at once. And by the time I got to the car and was loading it in, I realized, oh crap. I left the vision pro inside. Do I, and we were already kind of running late. I was like, do I want to run and grab the headset so I can have a virtual external monitor when I'm editing later? And my gut reaction was I'm annoyed with how many things I have to pack with me. (laughs) And I like traveling light. That's why I still use one of these wallets. And I realized like, this is just becoming annoying. (laughs) It's not becoming useful anymore. Um, so that was kind of the moment where it was decided for me, like, no, I don't think I should keep this because I'm basically only one week into it and I'm already leaving it behind and I'm not taking it with me. Um, so that was the moment where I was like, yeah, it's not necessarily a price argument to me. It's like the the functionality of it, the usability of it is just not quite there to be justified. But at least right now with my essentialist mindset, it's not... a. I didn't sell my iPad or something sell my Apple watch because I needed the money. I mean, money's nice to have, of course, but um, I I sold them for very little compared to what I paid for them. And I didn't really like get to go out and buy something with the money I sold it with. I basically just put it aside. It was like, I just don't like holding on to things that don't have a function. That's what essentialism is all about. Is like, if you do have something, it has to serve an absolute purpose that's very useful and that's how I felt about my phone. My MacBook, my AirPods is like these serve a very definitive purpose. Um, and I wasn't getting that out of my iPad. I wasn't getting it out of my watch. So in the same way, I wasn't getting that out of the headset. It didn't serve a very essential purpose. It was like, my wife would ask me, "What well, what would you need that for? What, what would you use the vision pro for? And it was like, well, I guess my top favorite feature of it is using it as an external monitor, but. Again, you can get much cheaper external monitors and um, that's I've already proven that I don't need an external monitor to edit my videos. Like I can, I've can i been getting by with my 16 inch MacBook Pro for years. I like having an external monitor. For having that additional window space but what i didn't realize and why i would still choose an external monitor over the headset is how many steps are involved with setting up vision pro it got old very fast you know when you're first setting it up and you're first using it you're just wowed by it because you've never used a product that similar to it before so it's exciting and it's cool um but after a while and the cool factor wears off it's like okay i open up my macbook I, I unlock it with touch ID. I put on my headset. I unlock that with optic ID. I look at the MacBook. I hit connect. Then it has to connect. And then all the windows need to be resized again. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of extra steps now. And when I get out of work, I have this giant imprint around my face. And every time I would wear it for a few hours and come out of my office, my wife would be like, Ooh, I can tell you've been wearing it. It looks weird (laughs) and your hair gets all messed up. So it was like, I wouldn't have any of these things if I just used an external monitor and I could just unlock my Mac and boom, the monitor's ready to go instead of this whole connect process. Um, pass-through is really necessary when using a Bluetooth keyboard. That's true. The pass-through is helpful for that. But Quest has a way of pasting your existing, pasting a virtual keyboard on top of your physical keyboard. And it works pretty well. I tried it with another friend's Quest, not Mike's, but he had the uh, uh, virtual desktop app working on his Quest. And it literally pasted a virtual keyboard on top of my MacBook keyboard. And even though I'm not looking at anything through pass-through, the pass-through cameras were not active, I could ask my wife or my friend, I'd be like, tell me what letter to push. She'd be like, put your finger on the letter Q. And I could do it. It, it was that accurate. The hand tracking and the virtual keyboard tracking was good enough that I could reach everywhere on the keyboard and hit exactly what I meant to, even though technically I couldn't see it. There was no pass through active, which I was pretty impressed by. Sure, I'm price sensitive and price motivated, but my point is when it's a big purchase, it's a big purchase. Like, do you want to drop a thousand plus dollars on something? Whether it's two thousand, three thousand doesn't make a big difference to me. It's still a big purchase regardless to me it comes down more to is this going to be a useful purchase am i going to use it regularly can i travel with it and i think with a few more generations it getting thinner lighter more durable it's not that i'm against paying thirty five hundred dollars for one it's more can it fit the utility that i would expect for a big ticket item like that um if if the use case was currently like if it was a price limitation, I'd go out and buy a Quest 3 right now because the Quest 3 does so many similar things. Like, I saw a lot of people bring it up including myself. Their favorite feature on Vision Pro was using it as an external monitor for their Mac. You can do that on the Quest 3. I've tried it. It works, it's pretty well. In fact, you can do multiple monitors on the Quest 3. Um if it was really that important to me, I would go out and buy the quest three because that's much, much cheaper and it would basically do exactly what I expect it to, but I'm not at the point yet where I feel like it's practical enough or, um, immersive enough to justify that expense. I need some more software and the ecosystem helps with that. Like I said, with the syncing up of what the Apple TV is showing with what the vision pro is seeing that that would help. And that's still not really a thing with the quest. Um, The experts talk about the quest mapping is archaic. The warping on the edges and the latency. You will ignore that because it's cheaper. Well, it's more noticeable on the edges, but again, it's not like the Vision Pro is immune. The the pass-through still has some blurriness and it still has some uh, noise. So it's, it's better. It's closer to reality on the Vision Pro, but... I'm, I'm more critical of that being a $3,500 product and the quest three being $500 is like, okay, yeah, it's not flawless, but the, the things that it's able to do objectively better is darn impressive considering how much cheaper it, it is. Burkhardt says M2 chip is not what's limiting Mac virtual display it's The fact that it's 4k and wireless too much of a compromise. If you did multiple, oh, you guys talking with Elizabeth. Cause I was going to say, yeah, I, I understand the M2 has nothing to do with the virtual display. I was going to say it had more to do with the Wi-Fi connectivity which right now it's Wi-Fi 6. Um arguably the travel case should be included since it's a luxury priced product. Even then I checked out the travel case in person at the Apple Store and it's not small. <laughs> um at least for someone like me who tries to travel as light as possible I didn't think $200 was that outrageous for the travel case. <laughs> I I thought, you know, if it's a $3,500 product, 200 bucks is about 5% of the price buying a $200 case for a $3,500 product is about the same as spending $50 for a case on a $1,000 product, which we do all the time with our iPhones, all, all the time people buy $50 iPhone cases. So I'd say, yeah, it scales with the price. That sounds about right. Um, but what I was more not interested in was the fact that it's just too big. Um, which is why, again, it comes back to that external battery and that huge cable. And that's the only way to use it. And the headset itself is already pretty heavy. Um, so I would literally just picture a pair of ski goggles, how thin they are, how light they are, something I would feel more comfortable putting down, wearing around my neck. That's, that's when the utility, the the ease of using it, I think would start to make a a bit more sense. And that to me, I could justify 3500. I don't think it's, it's a matter of price. It's just a matter of functionality. Um, never bought a $50 iPhone case. I I haven't recently. (laughs) I used to, but people do it all the time. Um, I wish there was a hand gesture to pull up home screen similar to quest. I guess a hand gesture would be nice, but I didn't find the digital crown that hard. Um, half the case being empty space is annoying. Yeah, it's not very space efficient. Uh someone who travels as light as I do, me and my wife often will fly on super budget airlines and we'll get amazing deals, like you know, fly across the country for a hundred bucks kind of deals. But usually when you do those kinds of uh low airfare deals, you don't get to check luggage and sometimes you don't even get a carry-on. You get a personal item, um, which certain backpacks will qualify for, but that travel case I looked at would take up like half of the space in my backpack which doesn't really make it that portable if it fills up half of my entire backpack. Yeah, glasses is definitely the ultimate goal but I think that's a little too ambitious which is why I'm giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt that still leaving it as a strap that goes behind your head um might might be more practical. I genuinely wonder how... I'm so fascinated by the hardware because that's where all the limitations, well, I guess there's limitations on the software too, but like, I think it's really possible to make a headset like that without fans. At least the experience I had with the Quest Three, I was like, this is so much lighter and the battery's built in. And sure, the resolution isn't as good. Yeah, it's not OLED, but it still looked great. The thing is, you're not often looking at true deep blacks with your virtual content anyway so the difference between i don't know what the quest uses it's probably just some lcd but the lcd they used in the quest was still very good compared to the micro oled i was like yeah i would i would go all liquid retina on that headset if they could design a vision pro without the eyesight display that was a waste of time in my opinion everybody who looked at it thought it was creepy and weird i don't think it delivered on its intended purpose at all and uh, people wear sunglasses all the time and they can't see your eyes and people wear headphones all the time and they can't see your ears. I don't think there's a need to put the user's eyes on the outside personally. Like most of the time it didn't work anyway. <laughs> and I don't think it really ruined the experience. Um, so I would get rid of the eyesight display. I would try to put more efficient silicon on the inside that allows them to design it without fans. If it didn't have to be passively cooled, I feel like that could shave off a lot of weight. In a lot of bulk, um, as much as I disagree, you make too much sense. <laughs> well, I like articulating things, but there could be some portal feature where you're immersed and there's a small rectangle pass through cut out for keyboard. That's kind of what I did most of the time with Vision Pro. I would I would put up my external monitor and then I would turn the digital crown, and it would wrap around the monitor, but I would leave just enough space. It doesn't when you when you immerse yourself in an environment it tends to go more this way and it won't completely immerse beneath you, which is why I could immerse myself in the environment would get about 90 degrees and I could still see my MacBook keyboard because when you immerse yourself, it goes side to side first, not up and up and down first. Um, let's see. What do I think of the 11 inch 2018 iPad Pro? Still great, still a good deal. <laughs> that's about it but let me not forget Marngel had a question as well i want to make sure i answer that um so it seems like you've been having software stability issues with your 15 pro that could be impeding your ability to make videos efficiently at least according to your tweets have i found a solution to it yet no also if the problem persists is it annoying enough for you to actually switch phones again yeah that's a debate i'm currently having so if you haven't been following my tweets i i Couple months ago switched to recording all of my videos on my phone, so I don't have my black magic camera anymore So pretty much all my videos are shot on iPhone Um, and for the most part it has been fine, but every once in a while I'll have this very frustrating bug and I everyone told me this other guy on Twitter donk or whatever his name is Um, Other people have had similar issues But that's all they'll tell me is that he had the same problem Okay, how did he fix it? Oh, he didn't. He switched to an older iPhone. It's like, okay, that doesn't help me here. <laughs> they just like telling me other people have had this. But um, every once in a while, I'll be recording a video and it'll be at random intervals. Sometimes it's within the first 30 seconds. Sometimes it's after 10 minutes of recording. It'll just stop recording and it won't make a sound. So I won't know that it stopped recording, which is normally why I record uh, with my ringer switch on I don't have a switch anymore but in control center you know you can set it to it's not on silent and the phone will just stop recording and I won't hear it and I lose a huge chunk of the video I'm recording and it gets very very annoying because sometimes I'll record a video that's you know before editing it's 15 20 minutes and if it stopped recording after four Then I just wasted all of this time recording, or I thought I was recording and I wasn't. Very, very frustrating. I took it to the Apple store. They ran diagnostics on it and said nothing appeared to be wrong. And all the Apple store told me to do was to factory reset the whole thing, which is a lot of pain in the butt. Uh, to me uh, because you have to reinstall a bunch of apps. And I have a ton of apps installed on my phone, all signed in, which I like because there's so many passwords to keep track of. And it's a pain in the butt to reinstall a bunch of things over and again. There's a bunch of apps that I use that still require the two-factor authentication thing. So it's a big headache. And they said, do you want to factory reset it here in the store? And I was like, no, I can do that. I don't need you guys to do that. And also it's a big pain in the butt. So I'd rather do it when I have a bunch of free time. And when I was at the Apple store, I didn't have that much free time. So they didn't have any solutions for me. They just said it's probably a software bug and it might get fixed in a future software update, but we don't know. Um, Cause I've said I've updated it and I've had this bug on multiple software versions, which is partly why I wanted to report on it. I wanted to drag some attention to it so that hopefully Apple would find out about it, or maybe other people who are having the same bug would report on it and say, okay, yeah, I, I've had that happen too. Um so I I've had people suggest oh it's a ram problem so just make sure all the apps in the background are closed so I tried doing that for a while and the bugs still happened so I don't know I don't know how to stop it from happening but I'm I'm having the debate cuz some people are saying would you switch phones to fix this bug and it's like uh that introduces a bunch of new problems cuz I use iOS and I appreciate iOS a lot and you know I really love that Pixel 8 as a video recording tool. But there's a bunch of things in my ecosystem that fall apart when I don't have an iPhone. So Apple's trying really hard to get me to stay. And the other problem is Android does not try very hard to win me over because their apps are not as well optimized. And they're not as clean and they don't they're not as compatible with computer functions that I use like airdrop or continuity camera, I have to go through roundabout crappy third-party apps in order to unlock what my iPhone does natively. So I, I think if I switched to an Android phone, I would probably fix one bug I had with iOS and then find five more on Android that I didn't have on my iPhone. So right now, I'm just kind of putting up with it, hoping that they fix it in one of these software releases, but it's very frustrating because it's not consistent. If it happened every single time I recorded a video, I would probably... I would probably consider switching but it's not every time i i'll go i'll record like five videos and not have a problem but then on the sixth one suddenly it happens again um and maybe get it escalated thank you burkhardt i'll report it again um i've had a similar issue with email i'd spend 15 to 20 minutes composing an email and then when i press send it just says cannot send mail and it just disappears not in drafts not in send just gone that's really frustrating jeez See, my workaround for that, not a solution, but a workaround would be to write the email in the Notes app and then copy it and paste it to mail. Um, Randy says, switch to a Microsoft phone. It's funny enough, I have one in storage somewhere. I have some old Lumia phone, but I don't think it works. I don't think it turns on. But yeah, it's a very annoying bug that I don't know if it's just something isolated with my phone and it'd be a very expensive uh fix to try to discover if does buying a whole new phone and switching to that phone fix the problem um what if it doesn't what if i bought what if i said okay i don't need the 15 pro anymore i'll actually switch to the regular iphone 15 what if i switch to the iphone 15 and then i have the exact same bug it's kind of a big headache (laughs) so i'm hoping it just gets fixed via software but maybe airplay your phone screen to your mac so you can see the indicator um i guess that's one idea i don't know if that might affect the recording ability i don't know that's a good idea i might try that thank you for suggesting that carl um that's what i've been doing it works fine but the one time i forget yep just erase the whole thing sorry about that android has all kinds of little bugs like that too where, where they're not super obvious and they're not super repeatable those are usually the worst kinds of bugs are the ones that you can't you can't get to show up. It's really easy to find a bug that is consistent. Like every time I put these two apps in the same folder, the whole system crashes. And every time you do that, you show it working. But when it's inconsistent, oh, it's the most annoying thing in the world because you could go to someone else and they'd be like, so what happens? And I'd be like, here's what happens. And they'd be like, okay, can I show it? Can, can you show me what happens? And I'm like, no, I can't because it only happens every other, it, it only happens once every six times or something. Um, maybe use black magic app instead. I don't like the black magic app because it makes, it puts it in the stupid app, their app, and then you export it to photos and then you got two copies of it. It's just, I, I tried to use the black magic app for a while and it was just too big a hassle. Um, they did it for the event, but they, they just had one phone that probably was a terabyte of storage and they're not, they're not making videos that, that Apple releases, you know. 10 videos a year, I'm releasing two videos a day. So I'm I'm having to move files around and transport things all the time. Um, Randy's asking what's wrong with the 15 Pro. Basically every once in a while when I'm recording a video on it, it'll just stop recording without warning. Also the AirPlay thing doesn't exactly solve the issue either because it it lets me know when it stops recording, but I still have to get up and hit record again which I shouldn't have to, you know, this phone's got eight gigs of Ram. I know it's capable of recording long videos. It doesn't happen every time. Like I said, um, I tried saving it directly to the photos app and it still wanted to keep, it, it still wanted to keep a copy in the Blackmagic app as well. I don't know. I didn't, I remember playing around with it and it was like, you can save it to photos and the app or just the app. It wasn't like photos only, but still, I don't, I, I think if it's a bug where it's it thinks I'm pressing the volume key or something, it thinks I'm hitting stop recording. I think that would affect, um, I don't think it's overheating issue because for one, you get a warning on the iPhone when it says it's overheated. And for two, sometimes it stops after two minutes of recording. And other times I'll record a video that's, 35 40 minutes and it has no problem so again it's not consistent it's not very repeatable there there's been times where i'm like okay this is going to be a long video i'm gonna i'm gonna record for 40 minutes um and it'll do it no problem didn't overheat no issues but then in other times it can't make it 30 seconds it'll just stop without warning and it's like what's causing this it feels like there's some kind of phantom it's like a ghost It's like the ghost of Steve Jobs is tapping the stop recording button (laughs) at very random at very random intervals without much consistency. But if it's detecting that some input method is telling it to stop recording, it's not that the storage is full. The storage is nowhere close to being full. Um, It it's still. uh, Would happen in the Blackmagic app, too. Yeah, I've reported it to Apple. They're just like problems what are those no i don't experience a lot of bugs this is pretty much the only bug i've run into the one other bug i ran into that only happened once was when i was dropping off my family at the airport and because there were so many family members we had to take two cars so my wife was driving the tesla back home i had to drive this old f-150 back home And it was an older F-150 that doesn't have a screen, doesn't have GPS or anything. So I had to pull out my phone and use Apple maps to route. We were actually going to the Apple store after that, not home. So I had to plug in the Apple store directions from the airport, which I didn't know by heart, because I normally don't take that route. And I opened up Apple maps and it just straight up, nothing would load. Like the app was open and it would show me recently plugged in addresses but I couldn't type in a new address. Nothing would show up and I couldn't hit go. There was no, here's the directions to that location. And the cellular was working. I could open other apps and the data was working. So it wasn't a cellular problem. It had connectivity. I could text people and I could open Safari and the websites were working. It was just Apple maps just straight up wouldn't load any directions. And I tried closing Apple maps and opening it again and it still wouldn't work. So. Thankfully it was crazy busy and the truck is really big. So I couldn't get out of the place where we stopped by the airport to unload all the family members. Um, but I had enough time because there was so much traffic and I was signaling and trying to move the truck, but there was too many cars in the way. Thankfully there was traffic, so I couldn't leave, but I rebooted my phone. I basically did a hard shutdown, started it back up again, and then it was fine. And then Apple maps worked. Um, so that was it. it when you're in situations like that, like I got a drive or I'm recording a video and sometimes there's people expecting me later in the day or people waiting on me. I don't always have a lot of time to open up the feedback app and describe exactly what it's like. I got to go. So I, I try to report things with the feedback feedback app when I can. But also, like Burkhard is saying, um, the feedback app is pretty much useless unless you know someone that escalates it that's why i report on it <laughs> so that hopefully other people can uh know they're having the same thing um sorry green pad i'm not gonna be that picky about my background i'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna iron the flag uh that happens all the time with Apple Maps. It's the first time it's ever happened with me, but also I don't use Apple Maps on my phone very much cuz usually I'm driving around my Tesla which has navigation built into the screen anyway. Um do I have the feedback app? I don't remember, but in those most of the time in those situations I don't have the the spare time to open up and make a report. Sunny Patel says your Vision Pro review is amazing. Oh, thank you very much. Um, but yeah, the bugs with the 15 pro are annoying because they're not that many and they're not that repeatable, but when they do happen, they're incredibly frustrating. And the, the most frustrating thing about the bug is it's an amazing phone. I love my 15 pro. The camera's fantastic. I've taken so many pictures and videos with it. I love the action button. Honestly, I didn't expect the action button to win me over as much as it did. I, at first when I read about it, I was like, okay, big whoop. It's just a act remappable button, just like the Apple watch ultra what, what's the big deal. But now that I've realized I use my phone more as a camera, especially when we're traveling, especially when we're with family, there's been so many situations where it's been so nice to reach into my pocket, hold down the action button as I'm pulling it out of my pocket so that by the time I'm here, camera's already open and ready to go. That's happened so much for me, um, that I'm like, dang that might be my favorite feature of the pro is just having that action button right there. It's so helpful. Um, and of course, while I've said that this is not the reason I got the 15 pro, but I do really appreciate the promotion display. It is a gorgeous display. Um, uh, it's the smallest USB-C iPhone in existence. I know that uh, regular iPhone 15 is great, Randy. I know you're listening. So <laughs> shout out to the regular iPhone 15, I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed that phone when I had it. I was very much on the fence, as we can attest when I was reviewing the 15 Pro. I was very much torn between those two phones because they were both fantastic. The regular iPhone 15 was just a wonderful phone. I love that it got the frosted glass. It got the brighter display. Um, I still prefer the aluminum over the titanium. Um, it was very lightweight. I love the simplicity of it and Honestly, if the regular iPhone 15 had an action button, that probably would have won me over, but (sighs) I tried the 15 Pro because I said I'd eventually review it. It was a very close call, but simply because it was at a busy time in my life, I only really picked up the 15 Pro because I was driving a family member to the airport and we had to go right past the Apple store. Uh, And I was like, you know what? I have to review this phone anyway. I promised everyone I would review it. So I already had it. I was torn on whether or not I should bring it back and go back to the iPhone 15 because I did really love it. Um, but just to save a trip <laughs> and because I asked, like, should I keep it? Most people are like, yeah, just keep it. It's It's got the faster chip and you got the faster Type-C port or whatever. It was a very close call, but I I want the smallest iPhone possible with Type-C, basically. And that's the 15 Pro, essentially. Um, it's a fantastic phone. I, I really miss iOS every time I switch to an Android phone, even though there's a lot of great Android phones out there. I loved, I loved the pixel eight. The hardware was amazing software though. Eh, not, not as fluid, not as smooth. The third party app stores, uh, sorry, the third party apps are not as well optimized as they are on the iPhone. And there's just so many advantages to having that app market. Um, on iOS. And of course, I use a Mac, so there's a bunch of native advantages to having an iPhone and a Mac working together. I've pitched before that I, I think Google could make a really competitive MacBook alternative. They own YouTube, so I'm surprised they don't dive more into the video editing, pro video editing app market, um, where you could build in YouTube features directly into the video editor. I think Google could make a really compelling pixel book if they really tried, but that's the problem, right? Google never tries. Um, I hated pixel phones when pixel phones sucked, but that's the thing. Pixel phones don't suck anymore. Um, I wish they made a 16 mini, but it doesn't sound like it's happening. Um, Randy says the action button is pretty legit. To be honest, I understand (laughs) it's, it's interesting how you can read about something for a long time, and then once you actually use it, your perspective can change. That's That happened for me with Apple Vision Pro. I thought I understood it by reading about it and hearing about it, and then I used it, and my perspective on it changed quite a bit. Both the isolationism of it, I was like, this actually is isolating, and I didn't think it would be. Or the external battery, I didn't think that was a big deal until I tried it, and then I realized, actually, this is really annoying. Um I didn't think it was that large or it would be that hard to transport until you own it and start traveling with it and then you start realizing this thing's kind of bulky this thing kind of takes up a lot of space it's kind of girthy unlike a MacBook or an iPhone it's like you can't pack it in a bag as easily as you can any other Apple product before um so yeah it's it's interesting how we can we can think through a lot of features and then once you actually try it it's like oh this isn't as great as i thought or this is way more useful than i thought um telephoto lens i don't care about i could totally live without the telephoto that's that's one thing i don't like about my 15 pro is the camera bump design even since the 11 pro series i was never a fan of the three arrangement the stove top camera bump It always wobbled so much and I always thought it looked kind of stupid. I'm glad the regular iPhone 16s are going back finally to the iPhone 10 design where it's just two cameras up and down. I don't care about the spatial video. I don't think that's as immersive as Apple made it out to be. I tried recording a bunch of spatial videos and rewatching them and I was like, eh, it only works in very specific filming environments. It's like the vision pro complains if there's too much motion. A lot of my spatial videos, I would open up and and it would say there's significant motion in this spatial video and it may cause motion sickness. It's like, great. I want to see that every time I watch a video. So it only works if your phone barely moves, doesn't have that much motion and subjects happen to be around three to six feet away from the camera. If you're just filming a landscape you don't capture that much depth and spatial videos are all 1080p 30 frames a second, which is not a very immersive. It only takes up this much space of the Vision Pro headset when you're watching it. If I had the headset on, it's only about this much. And I found if I recorded an ultra wide 4K at 60 video, that looked more immersive because when I would watch that in Vision OS, it would take up this much space. And even though there isn't depth, the higher frame rate and the higher resolution made it feel more lifelike to me. So I didn't find the spatial video thing to be good, but as far as camera bump design, the upcoming iPhone 16, I mean, I don't think I need to upgrade from my 15 pro because it basically does everything the same as the 15 pro minus some things as it'll probably have the same chip, probably a worse version of the a 17 chip and it already has the action button. but. I really like the idea of the iPhone 16, essentially. Action button with aluminum, the frosted glass, the slimmer camera bump. Um 60 hertz is fine. I'm fine with that. And it's type C. So everything about it is sounds great. Like I would have bought I would have bought an iPhone 16 if it were available at the same time as the 15 um apparently the spatial videos come out better when recorded from the Vision Pro I've tried both I recorded spatial videos from the Vision Pro and I still didn't personally I didn't think they came out much better the depth effect kind of works but it's not the The resolution is so low and the frame rate is so low that it's not that lifelike to me um isn't the base i model 15 thinner I would go for thinner one since the height and width is so close it's probably thinner from the camera bump, but I don't think it's thinner from the chassis. Um, it is lighter. I do remember that, but total height-wise, it's it's shorter than the regular 15. That That is one detail that I usually think doesn't get appreciated enough. The 15 Pro does have very th- slim side bezels, and it's quite noticeable to me. Most of the time, people don't talk about that, but to me, it's more noticeable than things like the notch or the dynamic island or whatever is like just how thin the side border is. And when I use a regular iPhone 15 now, I can notice it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that border's a little thicker. Um, So you fit a fairly large display. I still think my 15 Pro has a pretty huge screen, despite it being the shortest iPhone um, in the 15 lineup. With the rumors of a new captured button coming to the 16s, I know you probably want to upgrade to it, but do you think it will be a 16... Will be the 16 lines distinguishing new feature or will there be a bigger display slash camera? Wait, are you asking about the 16 Pros? Because the capture button is just rumored to come to the Pros, not the regulars. I think the 16 Pros will be, we're almost, we're very confident the 16 Pros will be bigger. So that will be very noticeable. Um, 16 Pro and Pro Max both getting bigger by about 0.2 inches. So larger screens. Probably still with ultra-thin bezel all the way around. And then, yeah, the capture button is supposed to be uh, capacitive. So it's not a physical click, but there's like tactic feedback as you push push down a little bit, and then push hard all the way down. Those rumors sound believable to me. That sounds like something Apple would do. And I can see there being a very clever software way to showcase that, okay, you want to focus on your subject, and now you want to take the picture. And then even swiping back and forth on it to zoom in and out. That sounds Apple-esque to me. Um, But, uh, sorry, people are texting me. If you had a camera button, what would you map the action button to? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably I'd probably put it back to the ringer switch to be honest. I really like having a camera button. I'm not convinced that a capture button would be a a big enough feature for me to want to upgrade just cause it sounds somewhat minor, but I've, I've agreed. And I've already said publicly, I'm not going to predetermine whether or not I will keep or return Apple products. I review anymore. I need to try them out as we experienced our opinions can change a lot after actually trying the product and using it in your daily life. Um, but I do, when I'm recording videos, I, Switched my ringer to on because i want to hear if it stops recording because of that stupid bug but if they fix that bug i guess i would just leave my phone on silent at all times um hopefully uh <laughs> hopefully they fix that bug and then i wouldn't need to switch if it weren't for that bug my phone would be on silent at all times the only reason i'm switching between ringer on and ringer off right now is because of that stupid recording bug um Bryce Peterson, thank you so much for the Super Chat. This is their 10th Super on a live stream. Been watching ever since 2017. Much love. Thank you very much for your generosity. You guys are too kind. Um, where do we go from here? More phones, headsets aren't catching on. Maybe once this tech is in glasses, we can talk. I don't think it's that simple. Um, I think all all of those same arguments were the same people saying the Apple Watch will go mainstream when it's below $200. And it was like, yeah, no, it went mainstream before that. And now most people are buying uh, $800 <laughs> watches. Um, they found a way to justify the expense with the features. They didn't find a way to cut the price by 10x. Um, I, think, I think headsets are catching on, personally. I think Apple entering the field validates it a lot more than before. And uh, sales are up. I believe they're on the increase. And I was wrong about that. I used to think that VR was a fad. Now I'm starting to think, especially when Apple gets involved with it, it probably has a longer term. Now it's not gonna catch on in the first two weeks. I think you're expecting a bit much. If you were just reviewing the iPod and iPhone and iPad based on how bad the app support was or how bad the sales were within the first two weeks of them launching, you would say they're all dead on arrival. Um, you got to give these things time. You know, the, the next big thing doesn't just hit the market and become a mainstream success within two weeks. Um, Apple adding a button doesn't sound Apple-like to me. They've been removing hardware I.O. for decades. Uh, not necessarily. They've been going back on that too for a while. Like they got rid of the touch bar in favor of full-size function keys. Um, the iPad originally launched mostly with a virtual keyboard, but over time they started selling more and more physical keyboard accessories for the ipad so that you could have physical tactile feedback um and then yeah the ringer switch was not a button but they turned it into one um there's been apple watch ultra there's another example of them adding a button to something that originally just had two buttons the digital crown and the side button and then they decided they wanted another one so they gave it the action button i don't i don't think it's that crazy because we know that they've been experimenting around with solid state buttons for a while, and they're probably trying to figure out what the best way to implement a solid state button is. They probably realize just making all the buttons solid state is a bad idea in case their software crashes and cases get confused. But with a capture button, there's some advantages to it being dynamic to where like you push it down some of the way and it focuses and then you push it down all the way, um, kind of like how you have a force click on a MacBook trackpad you can click. A little bit and then you can click hard kind of that 3d touch functionality to it um i wear glasses so i prefer it in glasses form but i get the tech limitations for that at least now i don't think it has to get to glasses for it to go mainstream i think there is a way to make it slimmer lighter more affordable and still technically be goggles you can see people wearing these to clubs dates church like a regular outfit accessory if not then what is the mainstream vision no, but do you see people using iPads in clubs, dates, in, in church, like a regular outfit accessory? Does that mean an iPad is a failure because people don't take it to the club? It's about finding what the form factor is good at, you know? There's there's still a lot of people that buy iPads or buy Nintendo Switches or people that um buy TVs, but... Goggles are ca- carving out a new segment, a new set of features. It doesn't have to replace the phone for it to be mainstream. I think that's a big misconception a lot of people have. I don't believe it will replace the smartphone, but I also think the smartphone is going to become more of a camera than it is a phone. The goggles might take over more of the media consumption and social media browsing, and the phone becomes more of your designated camera device, which it kind of already is. A lot of Every year we get a new phone, half of the announcements about the phone are about the camera everyone is saying it'll replace the phone. No, I don't. I think you gotta, (laughs) if you want to see where there's a potential for something, you have to look between the lines. Not everything is so black and white. It's like saying, well, if if you're only expecting big things to replace the phone, then yeah, you're never going to be impressed because phones are, in my opinion, kind of irreplaceable. Um, But that doesn't mean it can't be disruptive. You can have very disruptive technology. The same way the iPhone didn't replace the Mac. So is the iPhone not disruptive? Because I thought in order for the iPhone to be a big deal, it had to kill off all of our Macs. People still buy Macs. Apple still makes Macs. Macs have been around for decades now. And they're still useful. And they're still practical. In the same way, a pair of Apple goggles might not replace the iPhone, but it can still be just as disruptive, maybe even more so without replacing anything. Um, yeah, it's it's a straw man argument to say that it's not going to replace the phone. In my opinion, that's a really weak argument because the phone is incredibly difficult to replace, but there's a middle ground between failing and revolutionizing the industry that too. Um, but again, it's, it's an ongoing battle. It's, it's not like the, If they cancel it in the future and just say, okay, no more headsets, then we'll we'll call it it didn't really work out. But I think there's a lot of room for improvement and there's a lot of refinement and iteration that's going to happen before that stage is reached. And there's been all kinds of products that Apple's introduced over the years that people have said, oh, this isn't going anywhere. This is going to die. This is going to flop. And then it turns into the next huge thing. AirPods being another great example. Did AirPods replace the phone? No. Are they still big enough in their own category to be included in the S&P 500? Yes. Do you still see them everywhere? Yes. <laughs> it can still be quite disruptive in a big thing. But yeah, I mean, Haseel, you are saying earlier headsets aren't catching on, but then you're also saying it could replace TV- TVs and Macs. Those are two very different. <laughs> it's like they could still be very disruptive. They could They could replace everything but the phone, maybe. Do I think folding phones have more utility than VR headsets currently? No, I've, I've been underwhelmed every time I've tried a folding phone. It's pretty much just a slightly different form factor on a regular phone. It doesn't feel like a tablet to me and tablets aren't even as popular as they used to be. Um, so the phone just being able to fold in half or I don't, I don't think that really unlocks that much functionality. It doesn't really give you that much more screen space. Um, So I'm glad Apple didn't really pursue that. Um, If anything more powerful chips and miniaturization could make it so more powerful watches make some phone features redundant. I think the watch has more form factor issues than processing limitations. I think it's more of a, you can't type as well on a screen that small or you can't take pictures and videos as you can. Again, I feel like every year the phone becomes more and more camera like, you know, that was a big reason I think smartphones took off is because the cameras on them got so good that you didn't need a digital camera anymore. That used to be a big industry. People would carry around, carry around camcorders or they'd carry around point and shoot digital cameras so they could capture moments. That's a pretty big market of people that want to take pictures or take selfies and capture their surroundings and phone cameras just got so good that you basically killed off the point and shoot market to where very few people see a point in buying a designated camera anymore. Even me making YouTube videos is like, yeah, you know what? The phone's good enough. Um, and I don't see the watch eating into that and people like big screens, those, those big screen pro maxes and pluses keep taking off. And that's another fundamental, limitation with the watch that would be kind of a hard thing to overcome. Um, even then content consumption is too important for watches to replace phones. Yeah. But I, I could visualize a situation where the goggles replace the watch with enough iteration. Um, if it gets, if it gets to the point where maybe it's not glasses, but I could still see transparent displays. They're like, they're ski goggles that you can see through, but just understanding this gesture when you're wearing the goggles every time you make this gesture you have the time pop up or you have notifications pop up you can kind of just paste watch os right on your wrist there via hologram i believe the video on iphone is professional quality but the photos are still not there yet hmm i was going to argue the opposite actually but but i think it's safe to say both have gotten incredibly good it's definitely doing a lot of emulation where portrait mode i don't know some of the pictures i took um, with portrait mode on my iPhone, just blew me away. I was like, "That looks like a film camera. That looks amazing." But it's it's faking things. It's adding bokeh that's not really there, right? So of course, it's never going to be perfectly emulating a DSLR. But it gets close enough to fool people that you don't. I don't feel the need personally to carry around a DSLR anymore. Even I have several photographer friends that used to carry around DSLRs everywhere they went that now just carry around their iPhone. I used to do. Uh, videos for weddings. So I had a lot of professional photographer friends where it's literally their full-time job just to take pictures. And even them have upgraded to either 14 pros or 15 pros lately. And they're like, oh yeah, this is good enough for my travel. It's usually not what they use on the job site, but for their casual, you know, trip to Disneyland or something, iPhones are plenty and much easier to pack. Um, did you experience any Mint Mobile outages over the weekend? I couldn't make any outgoing calls on Friday morning. Had to turn on Wi-Fi calling. The, yeah, there has been, but I'm not sure if it's Mint's fault or T-Mobile's fault because I've had issues with T-Mobile the home internet. Um, and sometimes when the home internet goes out, I'll notice Mint Mobile slows down or goes out or something. Photos are too processed when video isn't. Eh, I would argue there's still a lot of post-processing going on on videos. But to me a, a video recorded on a smartphone is much more noticeable um than a photo taken i think it's pretty easy to fool people when you take portrait mode shots on an iphone especially on the kind of zoomed in perspectives like 3x or 5x um there's a lot of portrait mode photos people have taken and you be and you can compare it with a dslr and people will have a hard time telling the difference video though it's a bit more noticeable to me like when i switch from the black magic to the iphone both are good but one definitely has An iPhone video, everything kind of tends to be in focus unless it's really close to the camera. There's a bit more noise. Um, Apparently the Series 9 has a setting to temporarily switch off the double tap when you use Vision Pro. Yeah, I saw that, that makes sense. The goggles and AirPods Pro will replace the watch, uh, will include most of the health features the watch does. Yeah, actually I was gonna say, and there's future versions of the goggles that have more health sensors, Um, This is a better place to measure a lot of health data than your wrist. Um, Could be heart rate monitoring, could be temperature checking, could be blood oxygen level checking, all that stuff. It's probably more accurate to get it up here than it is down here. Um, So it might even be better health data to have up here. The thing is, people want it to replace the phone, but why? It's a phone GPS. I don't think that many people do, to be honest um why doesn't society appreciate the convenience of a phone well we're all tech people so we're all excited for the next big thing and the iphone killed so many things at once it re- replaces your wallet replaces your camera replaces your smartphone you know the i it replaces your ipod it's no it replaces your music player so the iphone is kind of the big thing right now and that replaced so many other things so we still have that replacement mindset of okay big things replace other tech products, right? So we're expecting a next big thing, but I just think the smartphone is too affordable, too practical, very easy to market. But I think it's important to acknowledge that there can still be a very successful product that does not replace the smartphone, like AirPods or like the Mac or like the Apple Watch. Apple Watch didn't replace the phone, still a very successful, widespread, very highly adopted product. I see them everywhere. You see Apple Watches all the time. Um, didn't replace the phone, but it was still a big deal. Um, there's even been a lot of Apple patents on AirPods with health features, so they could even offload that so that instead of wearing an Apple watch, now you just wear goggles and you can do more health tracking from your headphones. Um, but no, I don't think folding phones have more utility than VR headsets. I just think folding phones are kind of cool, nifty tech, but not not that different from our normal phones but i guess vr is kind of in a toyish state right now it's hard to justify it as a tool but yeah with time i think that'll change anyway i've got some people waiting on me so i think i'll wrap it up here but i appreciate your guys' questions it's a very fun topic for me i love speculating on this um but yeah that's that was kind of the title i was alluding to with this live stream where do we go from here because The goggles make us really question everything in the ecosystem and what the future of tech products is going to be like, this whole spatial computing thing. And it's very hard to go from that to then talking about, okay, so the iPad might get an OLED display. That's kind of cool, right? (laughs) It's like, I don't know, it feels weird. So I encourage the questions, even though I don't have Vision Pro anymore, I still love talking about it. I still love dissecting it. Because it has flaws, because it's not perfect. That's what makes it so interesting. Because everything else in the Apple space, there's not much room for improvement. With Vision Pro, there's so much room for improvement. And the improvement could drastically change the way we use all of our tech, both software and hardware. So don't expect it to replace the phone, but still could be a huge... It could transform the phone in a lot of ways that we use our Macs differently now because of our phones. And... I appreciate you all for watching and hanging in there. So hope you have an excellent rest of your day and I'll see you all again very soon. Bye-bye.